Hi, I'm Elise. I'm Matt, and welcome to Pod Race, a Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast. If this is your first time joining us, we're two friends watching Star Trek Deep Space Nine and sharing both our deep and irreverent thoughts on our favorite Star Trek series. This week, we're talking about Season 1, Episode 9, The Passenger. Teleplay by Morgan Gendel and Robert Hewitt Wolf and Michael Piller, and directed by Paul Lynch. This episode aired on February 20th, 1993. This week on Deep Space Nine, an alien criminal attempting to prolong his life hides his consciousness inside the mind of a station crew member. Well, before we get started today, we actually have a guest on the podcast, our friend Lawrence. Um, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us how you got into Star Trek and uh, Deep Space Nine? Hello, hello. Uh, yes, I'm Lawrence Orloz, Orlozzi, or one of the many uh, shortenings of my name, but not Larry. Um, so I got into Star Trek. Um, we used to have uh, TOS and uh, Next Generation sort of showing on BBC Two over here. Um, I never really liked the original series that much, although I liked the movies. Um, I just, there's something about them that I never quite got into. I liked um, Next Gen, but didn't really, uh, particularly once we started getting a little bit more serialization and you started getting the two-parters. So we used to be able to get the videos of the two, uh, VHSs of the two-parters. Um, and I, I would pick up a few of those. Um, and I did enjoy the, the original series movies as well. Um, but uh, DS9 was the one I really sort of got into. So it, it aired a little bit sporadically here. Um, my real sort of route into it was um, I used to work at a newsagent and I would get uh, the, the princely sum of two pounds and a penny an hour um, to work behind a counter at a newsagent. And I would, uh, for an eight hour shift, get 16 pounds, um, which is worth marginally more in dollars but not a lot more <laughs> and i would uh, spend that money on a deep space nine video and a double whopper meal from burger king every lunchtime <laughs> that literally came into my into my pocket and straight back out again and sometimes if we ran out of deep space nine videos to get i get babylon 5 videos um because babylon 5 is uh fantastic um and um it has a complicated relationship with these face nine. <laughs> Similar to, but legally distinct from. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet, so I have to. It's um so I mean J JMS J Mark Straczynski who wrote it and uh, may have written it before uh, these face nine was fully in production and they may have been shall we say inspired by straight possibly stolen <laughs> from depending on your perspective. I don't think um, I knew any of this. Oh, really? Um, yeah. yeah, it's, um, I mean, uh, depends on your perspective. It looks pretty solid to me that Paramount really grabbed a lot of his ideas from Babylon 5 and used it uh, on Deep Space Nine, uh, particularly the sort of the slightly grayer nature of the series compared to in terms of shades of gray, perhaps in terms of picture, <laughs> picture and colors as well, um, compared to Next Gen. Um, and the sort of outpost next to a wormhole uh, is uh, is very similar in terms of the output. It's a very different show after that. It goes off in completely different directions, although there's still sort of some religious imagery uh, in both series. And then, interestingly, subsequently, a bunch of the DS9 writers obviously took that on into Battlestar Galactica, the reboot uh, in the 2000s. But uh, yes, both great shows. Um, but DS9 was... Was then my love. I absolutely fell in love with it. Um, 
was a teenager and so watched it at a very with a very different perspective that rewatching it as a 40 year old now uh, I do um but um I just it just was a completely different type of trek for me it was f- far more interesting uh, the decisions they made had consequences particularly once you get into the second season you really start building on things um and I think the fact that you had that fixed point where they were forced to see the same people again and again um, yeah. really, really uh, is what set it apart. And so it is my favorite. It's definitely my favorite track. Um, I love disco as well. Um, I'm not, you know, wholly un-by textual, uh, but uh, yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I haven't seen enough of Lower Decks, um, despite Elise's very good urging. I like it, uh, but it's only one season in, so I have to wait and wait. Yeah, I think the second season comes in August, at least here. I don't know when you guys will get yeah, it. Yeah, the first season was really delayed here, which is very annoying. Um, but yeah. yeah, I may or may not have um, watched it with um, Lazi um, <laughs> legally or illegally yes. by, yes. by uh, sharing my screen. <laughs> don't, tell, don't tell anyone. It was good. I, I really enjoyed uh, Lower Decks. Um, uh, Voyager, I'm up and down on. I think there are good bits of it. Um, uh, Picard, I uh, like everything about it apart from the Next Generation cast, and I hate the ending of season one. So I'm, I didn't I'm like the ending either. But really... I'm gonna rewatch it now that I finished um, watching TNG this past week. Um, for um, there are Irish Romulans in Picard, and I really like them. Uh, hopefully uh, come back for season two <laughs> i really hope so like it's very much it very much felt like the equivalent of the of the doctor who other planets have a north which is, in this case was oh yeah, I, yeah I other planets have an island um, <laughs> um and i love i love i quite like raffi and i love alison pill from other stuff as well oh yeah same uh, and um, Seven is great in that. Uh, Jerry Ryan's fantastic in that show. But um, And then I haven't seen a single minute of Enterprise, so I couldn't tell you anything about it. I've only seen the pilot because we, um, we watched it for a test episode before we started um, putting this out. And it was a pretty good pilot. I'll, I'm going to watch it after Voyage. Yeah, anyway. it's... Um, but yes, anyway. And then the movies. Um, I really, really, really like the J.J. Abrams movie. My... Um, Claim to fame hot take is I think <laughs> Into Darkness is a masterpiece. It is a piece of perfect cinema. All right, everyone. Well, thanks for joining <laughs> us. Um, it's been fun. We'll see you next week. No, just kidding. Uh, I'm going to uh, actually rewatch that movie next weekend with my friend Katie. We were supposed to watch it um, a couple weeks ago, but something came up. And I'm looking forward to revisiting it because I've ranked all of the movies again. And that is the last one to be put in its place. So curious where it'll land i think a lot of people have a lot of problem with it because of the marketing campaign which was like oh no he's not khan yeah that's not khan and i'm like yeah but he's obviously khan obviously (laughs) yeah Um, there was a really last summer um there's a star trek youtuber jesse gender who did a like kelvin universe retrospective and it's like a video essay sort of deal and on the episode of, of Into Darkness, which it's definitely, it's worth checking out the whole series, but the Into the Darkness is the one that stuck out on me too. And it's a better movie than I think a lot of people 
remember and i do think and i, I know Lawrence, you and i have talked about this before and, and i do think that like when you're looking at kind of like the butterfly effect and like ripples of yes. like the timeline changes and things like that it's it's really an interesting analysis and like there's some good themes on kind of like mentorship and tabula rasa and like who we like can grow into when you look at the the pike kirk yes um mentorship and then the admiral marcus versus first con thing and then i think i would agree with with jesse's video that the third spoiler alert for for her video um but like the third act kind of when it pivots more into like just remixing star trek 2 doesn't work for me as much as kind of that explorations of you know the the marcus con pike kirk relationship but yeah it's Okay. I've been meaning to rewatch it. It's it's definitely <laughs> it's definitely better than I think people remember. Um, so I love that bit, uh, and and the reason I love it is the is exactly what you were talking about is the butterfly effect, the ripples, the fact that Spock is more emotional because of what happened in Kelvin vs Star Trek One, because the the Federation is more militaristic because of the incursion for Merrick Banner in um, in that film because that it wasn't Kirk's five-year mission that met Khan the first time, because um, uh, Kirk is a different um, Kirk to two years in Wrath of Khan, and Spock is a different Spock, and they are, he is more emotional, and um, Kirk is more, not logical, but, but they have different... Um, they, everything, to me, makes sense. It just flows out. Everyone's mileage may vary on that film, I, you can enjoy it or not enjoy it. I, to me, I love the echoes. It's almost like, um, uh, yeah, it, it's the echoes and the way they play around with them that I really love about it. And I, I kind of am not even watching it on the level of a film, which is probably <laughs> therefore not a reasonable criticism for me to say that it's so good. But um, no, I, I really love it in context of how that is different. And then uh, obviously the third film has the Beastie Boys in it, so there we go. They really, really steered into that skit. <laughs> that third film is like a big warm hug to me. Yeah, it, uh, one of my best friends. It's her uh, favorite movie. Um, it's uh, it's very silly, but just good fun. Yeah. Well, thank you for for introducing yourself, and I like learned about the Babylon Five thing, so I have to look into that now. So we actually got another review today or this week on Apple Podcasts. This one is from username House Mullahan, um, titled "A Different Perspective," um, and it reads, "I've been a lifelong Star Trek fan, starting TNG when it first aired when I was six years old. I watched it with my uncle who grew up on TOS." Trek means so much to me, and I'm glad to revisit DS9 with the hosts. Like TNG building on TOS, the taking Trek to a new frontier, DS9, was a radical adaptation at the time, a more realistic view of interstellar politics and the lives of a station crew <clears throat> on the edge of forever. It really deserves the approach the hosts are taking, focusing on themes and character. I also really appreciate the host's different perspectives on Trek, infusing their thoughtful analysis and love and respect and humor with love and respect and humor for the material. If you love Star Trek, make this podcast a must listen to right now. That is so nice. Like, oh, I like almost teared up when I read that. That's such a nice review. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you. It is a fantastic podcast, guys. Oh, thank, thank you. you. 
Even better now that you're on it. Yes. <laughs> it's even better now that you're on it. I mean, yes. All sure. right. <laughs> All right. So, what were some of our, our initial thoughts on on the passenger? And Elise, let's let's start with you. Um, it wasn't my favorite episode, but I didn't think it was terrible or anything. Um, I just didn't think the story was that interesting. Like, I found the um, and I'll get into it later. But I found the Odo Quark parts to be more interesting than the main plot this week i'm not sure what would have made the episode better i did find the opening to be really funny um when julian and kira were in the runabout and he's like i'm impressed i impressed myself on that one actually and she's like just looking at him like a good audience surrogate in that moment like just eye rolling him and being like snarky and saying yeah i'm privileged to be in your presence and it just made me laugh a lot yeah it goes to how kind of clueless he is um (laughs) because she actually genuinely starts out by being genuinely impressed i think like she was like the (laughs) the the person was dead the tricorder said he was dead and then julian's like oh yeah tricorder is good on the living not so good on the dead hey hey." (laughs) And you're kind of like, dude. <laughs> um, but I definitely find it interesting to what is this like the first time these two have just been together uh, alone well, they, since the pilot or something? Yeah, I was gonna say they had that one scene in the pilot where he offended her, <laughs> but um, yeah, I think so. Because it, it to me it sort of it, it's an interesting development there where. In the pilot, he was again so clueless, so insulting about frontier medicine, and um, here he's still sort of completely in his own head. But um, but she's genuinely like respects what he can do. But uh, yeah, <laughs> he then completely torpedoes it again. <laughs> so Lawrence, I'm curious. You you picked this episode to uh, to come on and and cover, kind of given the the first kind of batch of episodes and things like that. So what made you want to talk about The Passenger? Um, I really love Bashir. Uh, so Bashir is um, was definitely my favorite character when I was a kid. Um, he uh, was a teenager. It, maybe it's the British accent. Maybe it's the um, unnecessarily cocky, um, slightly arrogant. probably <laughs> 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 reflected me as a teenager as well, and hopefully less so now. Um, but I always just really liked him. I liked that he was um, smart and unashamedly smart. I liked that that he was, you know, it's interesting the way they portray him because um, they kind of imply that he's confident in that he can ask Dax out straight away. But he's the way he's mannered, he always feels slightly awkward and lacking confidence in his social interactions with me. Right. Always a little bit like he plays it a little bit, but he's never, I mean, he never to me comes across as actually confident in social interactions. So to me, that was like, that was me as a teenager, right? Like a bit smart, a bit cocky on that side of things, but actually socially hopeless and, <laughs> um, and really struggling to communicate with other people effectively. Um, and I do think that um, with DS9 in the first season, particularly, there are a couple of actors who struggle to get come up to speed as quickly. Um, and I think they do get better later on. And I know you guys have talked about 
Dax and Terry Farrell has as well, where basically the writers didn't know what to do with her. And um, and with Julian, I think it was just Sid being a bit young and Sid, he's my friend, he's my friend Sid. <laughs> uh, being a bit young and, and, and having, you know, frankly, three utterly fantastic actors um, in Avery Brooks, um, Arm Chimmerman and Reddy Ogdurumara, um, because I can't pronounce his surname. Uh, uh, who were just who were just to me held together this whole first season, and this this episode I find fun. It's often ranked really low, as a lot of sort of first and second seasons are season episodes are, but I think it's fun. I think uh, you know we'll get to later when he's hamming it up like crazy, but I I kind of feel like this was the episode that he found a bit of confidence in the character. And as an actor, which you could argue whether he should have felt that confidence or not. <laughs> um, but then he, you know, he really grows and, and settles down and, and calms down a little bit after this. For me. And I also find it really interesting because I think of it as a Bashir episode, but Miles is not in it at all. And to me, like, if yeah. I can't think of Bashir without thinking about Miles. But of course, they're not, they're not even friends at this point. They're yeah, it, hasn't, it hasn't blossomed yet. It's always interesting to me, and I don't think that we've talked about this on the podcast yet. But if I'm remembering correctly, Alexander Sadiq, who plays Bashir, actually auditioned for the Cisco role. And before it was Cisco, it was like, I think they had like a different character name. And they, they liked him so much that they like, ended up like sliding him into like Bashir role, the Bashir role, and kind of like rejigged it. So it just like it would have been, it would have been a very different show if Sadig had been been the lead. And I definitely think he could have done it. Um, and I, not that I would want to lose lose Avery Brooks as Cisco, but it's kind of just so I such I, a different energy. I a hundred percent disagree. I do not think this show works without Avery Brooks. I think he's amazing, and I. 100% did not appreciate that first time round. His uh, charisma and power in every single scene he's in. I mean, he can occasionally be a little bit hammy and, and mannered in the way he he speaks as well. But I just don't think anyone's got holds a scene like Avery Brooks does in this show. Oh, totally agree. And like we we've talked a couple of like weeks ago. I think that was when we were in the the Q-less episode, and just the idea of like Cisco as a builder and how crucial that is in his characterization and then in Brooks's performance of that characterization to make Deep Space Nine different and unique and kind of, you know, we talked about before how the station is is static. So we're really kind of exploring people, not so much exploring planets of the week like in some of the other shows. Yeah. And you you really do need that kind of like solid rock and kind of that that foundation no i i totally agree with that i'm yeah. picturing this show with um alexander Siddig in the main role and it does not compute to me <laughs> <laughs> i just i mean it would i'm not saying it would be a bad show but it wouldn't be this show diff it'd be so different it would be yeah. so different i think i mean it would almost be a bit more like disco i think where you've got a a less confident uh, character and possibly performer at first growing into the role. Whereas like Cisco just comes in from day one and they set him up, obviously they script him in the pilot to face off against Picard. 
they then like double down in the Cueless episode to be like, no, no, he's really not Picard, guys. Right, right. Uh, and um, and they use Q to um, to leverage that. Um, who's coming back in season two of Picard, obviously. Um, but, oh yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I, I I can't imagine that. That'd be crazy. I, I can't imagine someone because I don't think he's great as an actor in the first season. Uh, and I kind of think that of Terry and I kind of think that of um, slightly less so of Nana as well. I think it's the, the, the sort of the older hands who really carry the first season until everyone else, you know, gets their footing. And then after that, they're all, they're all fantastic. But um, so I, I, can, I can see that. But it's fascinating. I had no idea about that. That's, that's really interesting. Anyway, yes, I love Bashir, I, and I I see him myself in him and himself in me. Wait, hang on a second. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll save that for the thirst quencher section at the end of the episode. Uh, it's interesting to me too because we've, we've kind of as we've been going through these these early season episodes, it's kind of like a lot of our main cast have been getting a kind of feature episode sure. to kind of you know introduce us to them, whether it's kind of you know past prologue or um, with being kind of kira episode a man alone being a bit of the odo episode last week's dax being the dax episode Culus being a bit of like we we're just talking about a bit of the cisco episode this is kind of our first um and Culus, i guess and then Babel is a, our, our o'brien episode right yeah. um this is our kind of first feature bashir episode and the main plot point is he's not necessarily himself for like you know the a lot of the the third act that he's you know it's someone else's mind in his body and so like i still don't know if up to what is this episode nine yeah um i don't know if nine episodes in i know a lot more about bashir again like obviously i know because I've, I've seen the show before and i know the arcs and i know where it's good where you know he's going good bad or indifferent but I feel like I didn't learn anything from him in this episode that I didn't get from that that scene between him and Kira in the infirmary and the pilot. Um, so yeah, it's kind of I think it kind of just builds off that that point that we were just talking about where like Bashir's kind of one of those characters where they have a sense of, but isn't kind of as fully realized as as our Quark or our Cisco or or as our Odo, right? I think that you just um, hit the nail on the head of what would have made this episode better is if we had more, um, actually, like if we learned more about Bashir rather than having it be where someone else was, was in his brain, um, that would have been more enjoyable, I think. Really true. I also think it talks to actually what ends up being the biggest strength of the show to me which is that you learn more about the characters through the other characters. So the relationships between uh, Julian and Miles, Julian and Garrick, between Kira and Dax was one of my favourite relationships, between Cisco and Jake, and then kind of Cisco and Kira is a really interesting relationship that, mm -hmm. um, yeah. that plays on as well. Um, and then obviously Odo and Quark um, is, is there from, from sort of episode one. But it's the it's the the relationships between them as friends as they grow as friends. And I do think that you see a 
a progression from the pilot between Julian and Kira here in that it's still she's still a, she actually gives him some credit here which she doesn't at all in the pilot she's like who are you you asshole <laughs> <laughs> yeah this is my home it's not your frontier <laughs> right yes oh, I'm very it just made me excited to move forward with this podcast and watch all of these characters grow their relationships with each other like i'm just so happy to be doing this yeah well that's good because we have a hundred and some episodes of of deep space nine to get through we're only nine episodes <laughs> in. so i'm glad i'm glad we're all enjoying it the other the other day um a mutual friend of mine and matt's um claimed an episode in season three to come guest on and we were like oh i guess we have to keep doing this <laughs> <laughs> but i do think you know i i re I've, i'm just in season seven on a on a full rewatch right now i'm astounded at how well this show holds up i really yes. am shocked at how well a network tv sci-fi from the early 90s stands up even what i sort of reflected on being a weaker season, season one and season two, I still think it's pretty great. Yeah, yeah. especially for me, who only watched it um, last year for the first time. So it's not like I had the nostalgia there. Like it was, I loved it and fell in love with it. You know, obviously it's not without its issues, but I just, I fell in love with it in 2020. So yeah. I think that says a lot. Not that my opinion is like, you know, the end all and be all, but it, it kind of is. I mean, it should be on this podcast. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> Matt can occasionally correct me. <laughs> oh, it's, I, I agree. Elise's opinion is the, the be all end all. <laughs> <laughs> Does anyone else have any uh, initial thoughts before we move on? No, I, th I think we're ready to kind of get in. Did we want to move into the Odo and Quark stuff? Yeah, so... Um, well, actually, just just one one oh, thing. Oh I'd yeah, say. No, please, sorry. please. <laughs> um, just on that initial intro scene when uh, they when you know they I don't know whether we would cover this later, but that initial scene after the Kira and um, and Julian stuff when they intercept the other ship and they find um, the alien who is yet to be named but is uh, is a bad guy, and he um, grabs Julian. And does if you think Julian's acting is bad, I think <laughs> his acting is uh, perhaps redeemed by the fact that he's just echoing how bad this guy goes. Make me live, um, just as we yeah. bump into credits, um, which is obviously foreshadowing. But you know, I, I did enjoy that. I thought. I was I was thinking about that scene and how Julian or Kira or both of them both had lines after it before the 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 theme and I think if they ended the cold open on Make Me Live I would have enjoyed the episode more. <laughs> like that would have been such a good like last words before the theme dropped in. Yeah, respect that actor. I I I should have looked his name up, but um, <laughs> he really went for it. <laughs> um so yeah so there's a lot of odo and and quoto um i didn't know that ship name until anya said it last week um and i'm obsessed with it now um so dax 
owners that ice wrecked you know at um at quarks and odo was like oh and quark is like she's infatuated with me <laughs> and i'm just obsessed with odo and quark discussing like what they think relationships should be or shouldn't be or what is necessary um i think i think it's fascinating i think they still hadn't settled on it at this stage um they're just playing off how good chemistry the actors have because to the point that you guys make about why is odo even here and more to the point why what is odo doing with quark and the this is starfleet security officer who's like lurking in the background is like what is going on here <laughs> seriously guys yeah so um, yeah because because he's so strict on him and so and you think yeah sure fine obviously head of security and he's so uptight about being head of security in every other form and then here he's just like no no we can we can chat about how hot you find Dax I mean that's fine <laughs> I think the part I find interesting about it is that Odo is like at this point, you know, Odo doesn't think that a relationship or companionship is anything that he would ever consider or want. And Quark is trying to tell him it's okay to want those things. But I also find that the way Quark talks about it is that if you don't want those things that you are obviously, like, miserable and lonely. And, like, I see Jadzia sitting at the bar doing her work or reading by herself, and I'm like, oh my god, that looks amazing. Like, I love I love doing that kind of thing where I'm just, you know, taking myself out on a date. And yeah. Quark acts like that's like, you you would only do that if you were like lonely and were looking for something. You wouldn't do that if you just enjoyed that. Um, because it's, it, it is interesting that certainly at this point, you don't get the impression that Quark really just understands how old an experience, I'm not sure anyone really does, uh, how old an experience Dax is. Um, and what comes with seven, eight lifetimes of uh, of knowledge, um, it, and it's fascinating to see the way that the others sort of slowly understand that over the series. They slowly right. get the the depth of perspective, and obviously, um, so as the writers start to understand, well, yeah, for themselves, yeah, for sure. I mean, obviously, Cisco does because he's got his old man back, uh, but. Um, but yeah, yeah, no, yeah. It, it's it's really interesting, um, and I I love the I love the concept so much. Um, my my other favorite thing is X Men, and X Men uh, comics at the moment are doing some interesting things with Resurrection, um, which talks about how you build up accumulated knowledge over over lifetimes, which previously has been like the bounds of a society rather than of an individual. Um, and so I find like almost each each symbiote trill is its own society. Weekly. Oh yeah, that's. She she she's uh, she's sat alone in a bar reading and doesn't care. <laughs> she's <gone laughs> yeah, exactly. Does she, what she does. AKA, what she, she's my idol. Jazzy and Dax, she does what she wants. <laughs> um, I do think it's interesting that how different the two of them are. Like. Quirk sees possibilities and everything, and and Odo doesn't look at things like that at all. He's very um, black and white, I think. Like, Odo is like, you're never going to date her. And he's like, it doesn't matter. I'm still going to feel this way. And I think that that was 
kind of interesting. I think, yeah, it is really interesting. I mean, and Odo, obviously, as someone who came into being by being tortured into, <laughs> into I'm not sure we've co- you guys have covered this yet, but like his, he's sort of tortured into his existence. He's yeah, not... I don't think we've had an episode where we learned much about Odo, Has like Odo... where he came from yet. This is an existential question now. Has Odo had a happy moment? Uh, by this time in his entire lifetime like he, i don't think so <laughs> he was he was he was tortured then he was made he was tortured by the bajorans actually like doc, uh, dr mora um is the guy and then made uh, head of security for the cardassians which again you guys you guys keep bringing up like why is he still here <laughs> and i have to go that's a very good point. <laughs> I yeah, I don't it. know that I thought about it at all the first time because no, I, I was still like getting to know the. He said, I had only seen the movies it. before, yeah. but yeah, it's just it, I'll. I think by the end of season one, maybe we'll be done wondering why Odo was there. Well, by by that point, I think he's established his credibility um, right. to, to sufficient <laughs> people, and and uh, you know, not to jump ahead, but he, you know. I love how Cisco deals with both him and um, Primmon, the Starfleet security guard. Yeah. I absolutely love it. Yeah, and uh, Primmon obviously has his views about, you know, how Odo is handling this um, Zeridium shipment, which you touched on earlier when you said that he was kind of looking at him like, why are you talking to Quark about it? And I really do think that he, like, Odo, like, Cisco says it at one point in the episode, but I think Odo is letting Cork know that he knows that he's up to something. I, th- I think it's kind of like that. And it's a fun show. And I don't think it has to be where Odo is like right or wrong in doing that. I think it's just a funny thing that to add to their uh, relationship. It's very DS9, right? It's those shades of gray that make DS9. It's like, well, on a starship, on the Enterprise, obviously Quark would not be here, or if he tried this once, we'd arrest him and throw him off. But on DS9, as Cisco knows from the pilot, Quark is necessary, and um, therefore, a cert- and Odo kind of gets that as well, which is weird because he's so morally absolute in so many other ways. Right. But he gets kind of the game with Quark, and yeah. I think he enjoys it a bit too. Otherwise, he wouldn't like be there all the time. Yeah, at, at the stool, right? So maybe like... his happy moments are when he's talking to Quark, <laughs> beating Quark. <laughs> Read it all over his back. <laughs> so yeah, so Odo is like feeling a little threatened because uh, Lieutenant Primmon is there, stepping on his toes, I guess, and judging how he does his job. And I really like that Cisco told him, you know, he's here because of this situation. It's a Starfleet issue, but, you know, you're in charge. And But I do think that, to backtrack, Odo tender, tries to tender his resignation, which I thought was really childish. Like, at it's... least have a conversation first before you decide to do that. I don't think it's the first or the last time that Odo does that. He's just such a... His instant gut reaction to being questioned or challenged in any way is, screw you, I'm in charge. If you question me, I'm going to threaten to quit. Yeah, like I... Yeah. 
And I think it's really interesting how quickly and smoothly uh, Cisco talks him down. He's just like, look, you're obviously really important, but it's also a star, a star, <laughs> a Starfleet mission here. Of course, we're going to have our own security. And Odo is like, yeah, I can't really argue with that. <laughs> and then, he, then, and then Cisco says, ultimately, you're in charge, and Odo accepts that. But more importantly, when he talks to Primin, he doesn't just he doesn't he doesn't undercut Odo at all. In fact, he doubles down on it in a way he wouldn't in front of Odo. Right? He absolutely puts Primin on it on his uh, on his heels and says. Odo is in charge. Odo knows how this station works. Listen to Odo. Um, I love that scene. I think that Odo is just, in some ways, really similar to me. Like, maybe words of affirmation are his love language. And he (laughs) just needs to be told all the time that he's doing a good job and that he's liked. I can relate to that. Yeah, that's a really good take, actually. I think... um... Uh, I think you're absolutely right. I think he he needs that affirmation. He needs to be told he's doing great. And I suspect that that's what he gets from Kira a lot. Um, and I think that's probably why that relationship is built on. That makes sense. Anyway, we're approximately five minutes into the episode and an hour into the episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that tends to be how it goes. So... So the like the main thrust of the episode is that at the at the start Bashir and Kira um rescue the the answer distress call they rescue the ship and it's a Kobliad security vessel of of some kind and the pilot's dead the detective Kajada I don't want to rank as we'll just just call her detective is there and then the prisoner Vantica is being transported Vantica dies Julian can't save them. Um, turns out, spoiler alert, but I'm assuming you've already watched the episode, <laughs> um, that Vantica, when you know he had this nice overacting moment, he somehow imprinted his um, neural patterns, his brain waves, whatever. He's he's basically haunting Julian, and he's like you know a con a, like a second consciousness in in Julian's brain, and they're trying to steal the. Um, what whatever the deridium ship and what primin is is there trying to trying to protect and all of that because the kobliad need it because it stabilizes their cell structure and the episode kind of just throws in the oh yeah the kobliad they're a dying race and they need this stuff anyways it's important don't worry about it we just love to have a casual mention of a dying race that's like not explored any further oh, it's just just adding the stakes it's so weird and and the the end of the episode is full of them just sort of going hand waving technology not a problem <laughs> there was a definite point later in the episode where they're doing all their like techno babble stuff that i'm just like i don't know what they're saying yeah, it's the, fine though <laughs> the, the, i think they i, I think that is a, a legit criticism of the episode I think particularly the techno babble later on just becomes yeah. overwhelming. Like, usually I can follow it, but this time I just like kind of my eyes glazed a little bit. Well, particularly with the Duridium, because it's not just it stabilizes their cell structure, but it also, if it explodes, <laughs> if it explodes in the system, it will make everyone have to uh, evacuate every planet in the Bajoran system or something. Oh, it's yeah, very, it very really... multi purpose. It sounds. Um, yeah, sounds crazy. Um, one thing I found interesting was that Kajada was 
chasing Vantica for 20 years? years. Like, that (laughs) seems, like, insane to me. It just, like, that's a really, really long time. And I loved when Dax was like, it kind of makes them as close as any two beings can be. And I I felt that that was a little tropey, but not in a bad way. Like, it reminded me of, like, the Marshall trying to catch Tate on Lost. Um, It's very lame-is to me. Um, and hmm, and then like oh totally and then totally. um catch me if you can like that movie i don't know it kind of just it was like the battle of wits between two people that are getting to know each other's moves and methods and to outsmart each other but 20 years is a really long time Last we've seen each other playing you serve and a car you'll wear a different brain (laughs) (laughs) Uh, keep going keep going (laughs) that's that's it for now (laughs) i mean yeah it's (laughs) they then go you'll then go okay so is there two sides to the story and like oh no 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 (laughs) he was conducting genetic experiments on his students she just kept listing one bad thing after another of what he supposedly did and i was like this list is just really long it just i just felt like she just kept going i don't know yeah he was what what was it he was obsessed with prolonging his life and then just finding weird tricky ways to do so yeah like he was using prisoners somehow i don't really understand it's okay that. they didn't they didn't understand either yeah <laughs> but then like also the deridium and i'm like did he do like it just seems like I don't know. It's like so many different. I feel like the different ways he's using to prolong his life would have like negatively interacted with each other. Like when you like take different medications or something, like they don't interact well. Everything that she mentioned him doing to prolong his life didn't sound like it would like work well with the other things. So I'm like, did he do this for a few years and then that for a few years, or is he trying everything at once? Like I just I wanted to know more. I mean, he's, um, again, I view too many things through uh, the lens of X-Men, but he's very Mr. Sinister in uh, that sense of, like, he's been living for ages because he finds ways to transfer his consciousness between bodies, he experiments on things and people, doesn't have any morals whatsoever, doesn't care, is willing to bluff um, to the highest heights, Um, (laughs) has weird backups that don't make any sense to... (laughs) In order to say, oh, he's got a cell under his nail that works. But... <laughs> I forgot about the fingernail. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> it was ridiculous. So the whole episode, uh, Kid Jada is convinced that Vantica is still alive and no one believes her. But Julian made him alive. Well, the, the, no one believes her because because Julian is constantly saying that it makes no sense, it doesn't work, and then of course, dun dun dun, that yeah. Julian was manipulating it. What did we think of Bashir's um Vantica voice and when like the way like Sir Jacob alters his voice? I uh, and I am I am Vantica. Hailing, I can't even do it right now. Hailing but... us, fit as a fiddle. I hated it. <laughs> To be honest, it just felt like he was trying to um, be not Julian. I I have the same line Elise uh, 
pulled out as like hailing us. Yeah. It's so <laughs> it's um it's I, I don't mind the one he does earlier on when you don't know that it's Julian, although I mean who else it could have been from the cast doing that voice, I'm not sure. <laughs> um, where it's sort of like a, a like a whispering whiskey um NPR radio voice. <laughs> <laughs> like uh it's sort of a, it's a little bit sexy, it's a little bit a little bit late night. Um uh but then yeah, then once you actually see it with Sid's uh scenery chewing attached, it's um I don't hate it. It's very, very mannered. It's, it's, hate is a strong word. Yeah. I, I just felt it was ridiculous. Yeah. It just was a lot. I, yeah, it's it it sticks out. It's like a very unnatural delivery. Um, but at the at the same time, you know, when you have someone else's brain patterns coexisting with your brain, that's a very um unnatural situation. So Great. who am I to to judge <laughs> what sound like? But yeah. It's like, yeah, it's it's a it's a choice. I don't know if it's what I would have made, but <laughs> kind of fits with the episode somehow. Right. I almost forgot to mention that Cork was like supposed to be in on this plot and hired some mercenaries to seal the Duridium, and one of the mercenaries looks like Bajoran Eminem. <laughs> and so I'm calling him Bajor Eminem. <laughs> No, how did I pronounce Bajornem? it? Bajornem? Bajornem. 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 So, But he's in the episode again later and looks nothing like him. But in that one scene when they're all like crouched on the table, it's if you look if you look back, it's the the guy in the back right. He just looks like Bajornem to me. Bajornem. <laughs> Um, I just I, I now love this. I'm like every time Quark meets um, a random group of um, muscle or alien con men or whatever, I'm just going to imagine them as Muppets. Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. It is great. I hope that this guy wasn't nervous and didn't throw up his mom's spaghetti or have <laughs> sweaty palms. <laughs> he he only had one shot to steal the duridium and he missed it. He's, yeah, he's made it. He's made it. This opportunity only comes once in a lifetime. Well, yeah, probably because he's probably dead now, right? <laughs> <That's true. laughs> even even the Vantico is like, I don't care. I'm going to kill my all my people. I'm going to kill I don't care. I'm going to kill all of you anyways yeah. <laughs> i'm still laughing at hailing us yes i i literally do have that typed it's just uh, us. <laughs> the episode never really explicitly explains who like how kajada like fell in that scene that broke up the the meaning or whatever because she's like says corp she she also like like simmons or whatever she was says pork is shady but like was it it was like it was it was Vantica slash Bashir who pushed her over, yeah. right? Like that's yeah. the implication. I'm assuming, yeah. but at yeah, the time I, think... I was like, that would just look like she was pushing herself. She says she was pushed. Why... Yeah, I think. Yeah. I think so. Again, Probably. why Quark is having those meetings in his like bar and not in like <laughs> the hollow suite, I don't know. Yeah, they should have been more um clandestine about it. 
He has a go at his, his staff for cleaning up and like miss coins and necklaces that are randomly scattered <laughs> on the floor or whatever, right? <laughs> was he going to keep those and sell them? Like, what was his? Yeah. Instead like, of having a lost and found. Oh, no. I think he's like, instead of it being split between us, uh, like, I think that's their tips is whatever money they find. On the floor. Oh, that's so soft. They need some Romunism. Anyway. <laughs> some Romunism. I, was that old communism? Um, that might make it a little bit better for the tips. Anyway, you wouldn't need tips. No. Anyway. Yeah, that was like a shitty way to treat your employees. That got kind of glossed over. And then da Dax has a I completely forgotten that Dax has a lab. Um, it's like kind of like is it Seven has a an astrophysic or an astronomy lab or something on Voyager? I can't remember, but um, I'd for completely forgotten that Dax has a lab. Yeah, she and then it's it's not it's one of those things that I think it's used earlier on, because um, I remember like in the pilot that's the lab where she's like investigating the the orbs and stuff like that. But it's basically as needed with the plot. I don't think it's as used as the astrometrics lab in in Voyager later on, but. Uh, yeah, because I guess Dax is technically the science officer, right? Yeah. So she needs a lab. Yeah. Um, I felt sad for Bashir at the end, not remembering what he did under Vandika's influence. Although, maybe it's for the best, I'm not sure. But I feel like he's just really embarrassed because he wasn't in control of himself. And I feel like that is how I would feel also. I think he's just very ashamed of the way the voice was coming out, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> that must have been it. <laughs> and, and that is kind of, I think, frustrating for me, too. Like, one of the, because, like, of, like, this kind of era of Trek storytelling. And, like, I know we talked about it kind of before at the start. And DS9 does get more serialized and does have more kind of, like, consequences and, like, kind of long-running kind of changes kind of to the characters and, and giving them you know most more solid arcs kind of compared to the two previous truck series up to this point in the original series and, and next generation but it's still very much in that kind of 90s track where a syndicated show um sort of mode where it's like a character like goes through this and then it's never mentioned again because like yeah it would it would have kind of some lasting impacts on you right and like it's interesting to me too, because one the the original story credit for this episode, and then one of the credited sto um, story writers or episode authors, however writers, however you wanna wanna label it, is is Morgan Gendel, and Morgan Gendel co-wrote um, the award-winning episode of the Next Generation, The Inner Light, right? So obviously he has an interest in you know brains and other memories and other people's memories or brains and, and someone else and, and kind of all of that. Um, but like, even though next gen was let ended up being less serialized than deep space nine on the whole, the inner light and the rice and flute and all of that, like that's, that's stuff that is kind of touched upon with Picard later. So it's kind of, 
yeah unfortunate that we don't see what the aftermath of any of this was with julian it's kind of like done it's in our tidy bow on to move along home next week right <laughs> yeah and good luck with that one um the... i don't remember it so i'll like go in fresh again <laughs> um i think and i think that's perfectly and i won't we won't talk too much detail about it it's perfectly represented in the Starfleet security officer in this episode compared to Eddington later, right? So the, right. so here you actually have, you're set up not to trust him. He's questioning Odo. He gets slapped down by Cisco. Um, uh, he, you think, is he actually, I mean, you don't because you know it's Bashir, but is he actually the one who's helping Vantica or is Vantica? And then then he's actually competent and that's actually quite fun to watch and he and Odo praises him in front of Cisco and you're like we both learn from each other everything is great and then I don't think he ever shows up again does he um he didn't look familiar to me so I don't think so but I don't remember and then you've got Eddington later who basically comes in in the same role right the Starfleet security for um for the station um, who has a recurring role and is allowed to develop and have different motivations and different um, uh, different developments. Um, and I definitely think I remember. I've, I mean, I remember reading interviews with you know with the sort of core writing staff where they're basically just like, yeah, we constantly just got told um, that we couldn't have serialized episodes and we just ignored it. Uh, <laughs> and we appreciate that. We do, and I think this this is definitely worth the uh, yeah fuck rick berman of it all is um that yeah these guys just went you know we're gonna start telling these serialized stories um and then back to like Babylon five which is heavily serialized more so than ds9 uh but even season one of Babylon five is ep- a bit more episode of the week bit more monster of the week bit more planet of the week even with a fixed location um and again i'm gonna bring in my x-men thing so when Stanley and Jack Kirby and the original, a lot of the original Marvel guys, they used to constantly have the refrain of every every edition, every comic could be someone's first. So you have to explain who people are. You have to set it up so it's standalone. And in X-Men, it wasn't until Chris Claremont and others came along and started delivering some phenomenal serialized storytelling um, that that you actually started building some of the famous arcs that work in that show, uh, that comic, and then subsequently. Um, that makes and I, sense. And I definitely see that reflected in TV of the 80s moving into the 90s, uh, where I, I guess in the 90s you started having being able to, to, um, to get videos of episodes and weren't just watching whatever was on the network. Um, and now obviously we've got streaming and people can watch at will. So it's much more much more options and power for serialized storytelling because it just yeah. works for more people. When you're, when you're doing episodic, if you're have, and I, I love episodic TV. We, everyone who listens now knows I love Murder, She Wrote. Um, you Perfect can't really yeah. build on the characters as much because you're retelling who everyone is all the time. Yeah, and the one that reminds me from a similar era to this and that obviously then has a Star Trek overlap is Quantum Leap, um, where everything is an episode of the week. You know, the framing device is pretty much the same every week. But even then, like later on, they started having echoes. You could see like 
you could see the sort of strain of the writing staff going, we want to tell longer form stories and how do we make this work um, it, it, in spite of the medium, uh, whereas now I think it's empowered by the medium. I have to admit something about Quantum Leap. So I've only seen one episode and um, Scott Bakula was in drag in the episode, so I thought that he was in drag in the whole series. <laughs> and I was like really confused. It happens more often. I can't remember how often it actually happens, but it felt like it happened quite often. Oh, all right. So I wasn't totally far off, but I like never understood the plot when I was younger. So I just was very, um, like, I didn't. I just was confused. So can I like? I didn't put it in the notes because I just found it out. But I'm. Uh, can I? Can I blow our collective minds a little bit here? Yes, please, yes, please do. Always. So Sidding's line readings as Vantica were redubbed. <laughs> what? They had yeah. So all of Ander- Alexander Siddig's original onset dialogue as Vantica in this episode was dubbed in post production. And this is like a, a Rick Berman, ugh, Rick Berman, but a Rick Berman Fuck quote. Rick a, Berman. Thank you. We had a very odd experience on the show. Siddig made a choice of a voice that didn't work for us. It was too Bella Lugosi, and we replaced his entire part with him again. But we had to do it in a different way. We didn't really know if it would work or not, but it was fine. So it was, I, it was too too uh Dracula, I guess. Like, when so I can I kinda I kinda can see like when I whatever it's dubbed with, like I did feel like they were going for a Dracula, but I almost wish that it was like more. So I feel like I would have liked the original better. I mean I'd love to hear that. as ADR goes, I think it's pretty reasonable effort actually i think you don't i didn't notice i mean obviously you notice it's over enunciated but i think it was pretty solidly you know finessed yeah i didn't notice that it was added later that's amazing um i really want to hear what it sounded like (laughs) we need to like see if we can find that on the internet i'm sure they probably deleted or whatever yeah Stop ruining it for me. <laughs> we need a hashtag. Um, <laughs> Release the Bella Lugosi voice chat. <laughs> for this episode of DS9 that everyone thinks is rubbish. <laughs> well, okay, let's be hashtag. clear. Um, uh, yeah, this is definitely better than um, most of the DC movies anyway. So certainly <laughs> you, you won't get any argument from me. I've been, um, I've been watching some of them recently, actually, and some of them I have fun with. Um, but actually, I just the biggest problem I have with them, a lot of them is the dialogue. I will say that I think there are problems with this episode. I don't think the dialogue is actually that bad, apart from the techno babble. The plot is problematic. Some of the performances are, could be stronger. And yeah, I think the dialogue part. was mostly fine here. Yeah. Um, Hailing. But yeah, I have only watched half of the new Justice League and I don't have any intention of finishing it so that's where we are with that yeah. uh, yes I, I'm as you know an X-Men <laughs> so hold that against me or don't no that's fine so Lieutenant Primin is in two episodes of Deep okay. Space Nine obviously in this week's The Passenger and then he appears in next week's move along home 
And we've noticed that, again, last week on DAC, so Brian wasn't in the episode, it says he was away on on Earth for, for Keiko's mom's birthday. Right. And he's not in the passenger. And I don't think O'Brien is in Move Along Home either because Colmini was filming a movie. So that's why mm. he was unavailable. So they brought in this Primmon character kind of as a... I mean, he's not the operations chief. He's Starfleet security. <laughs> Another kind of, man. <laughs> yeah, to, to do that kind of, you know, O'Brien sort of placeholder in terms of like the, the cast and stuff like that. So that's really interesting. I hadn't, I, because my first instincts were, well, he, he's like a proto Eddington. Um, I hadn't thought of that because I noticed that Mars isn't in it, but yeah, it's, um, that's interesting. Do you know what yeah, movie uh, Colmini was filming? I don't, it doesn't, I'm just, googling around on, on memory alpha right now and it it doesn't say does anyone else have anything to add about the episode before we get into our regular scheduled segments um only on i think as i said i think dax is um she's still she is a bit isolated in this in this episode she's not she doesn't quite have the chemistry with the rest of the cast that she absolutely has more than anyone else almost later um i felt uh, she, she sort of fixes Bashir towards the end but she, they never quite spark i wonder how much they did plan for um for jadzia and Bashir to maybe hook up after two or three seasons or something but i'm not sure they ever really had chemistry um not in the way that like other characters do with both of them. Right. Like I love them yeah. both. And I definitely like when, as I said, seeing myself in Bashir um, uh, as, a, as a teenager, I was like, yes, because obviously I would want Dax too, because who wouldn't want Jadzia? But yeah. um, I don't, I, you know, rewatching, I'm just not, I'm not sold that they ever had chemistry. Yeah. And on top of that, I don't know that I think that their characters' personalities would work well together either for that matter no certainly not once they once they you know soften off the edges of Jadzia and turn her into the rogue of the group I think she is and that means rogue as in D&D class not rogue as in X-Men which given my what I've previously said in this episode I was thinking um, rogue as in John McCain but no I'm just kidding (laughs) Um, um but yeah but yeah, once they once they get her that, then yeah, I I agree. I don't think she would have. Um, but then they both grow, and Bashir grows. Yeah, the only other kind of it's not really so much a comment. It's just another fun fact. And looking up how many episodes that Primin was in, um, it's it's appropriate that that Lawrence mentioned Babylon Five earlier because I, I meant to mention this earlier and put in the notes, but I forgot. But the actor who plays Kajada, credited as Caitlin Brown, is Julie Caitlin Brown, who is one of the Intoffs oh. on Babylon 5. Wow. Good, good facts. No, oh, I don't think we talked about the fact that at the end, Kajada just executes Vandika. <laughs> well, yeah, is he already dead? Is he already dead? I don't know. He's a computer at this point? I don't... I got... Mm. Or like in that little computer thing. It's complicated, and I didn't. And much like the dying race, the episode just like, eh, 
Here. I'm like wondering if they had a trial for this guy like ahead of, like early like 20 years ago and he's been on the run or like they're yeah. bringing him in for the first time. Yeah, just just to. just on the word of the one security <laughs> officer. Right. I mean admittedly he then like hijacks Julian's brain and tries to steal. Yeah, him, I mean so, he like... definitely had more crimes, yeah. but <laughs> um the only other thing is and I had mentioned this earlier but i think i forgot to say it specifically is there's a great odo line to quark which is it's not an inference it's a definite suspicion um <laughs> which is 100 percent my line of the episode uh, and was was classic uh quota banter and um and again just goes to show what a great job those actors along with avery are doing um uh, in this season and really just hit the ground running them you i just respect those guys so much uh, how what a good job they did renee is so good my yeah all right and now it's time for our altair water thirst quencher section altair water first mentioned by dr mccoy in star trek 3 and we need a long drink because we are thirsty bitches so, as our guest, Lawrence, who are we thirsting for this week on Deep Space Nine? Cisco is daddy! <laughs> I do not disagree. I mean, Cisco telling off uh, or putting... Um, uh, Primmon? Primmons. I'm not going to remember his name. I'll be honest, guys. Um, That's all right. I'm bad with the names, too. <laughs> uh, putting him in his place was hot. Um I'm not sure there's a lot of other super sexy scenes in this episode, um, but yes, um, no, Cisco is super hot. Elise? Um, I just really, I know I touched on it before, but just Jazia sitting alone at the bar at Quark's. This might be a little you go girl of me, which is not a thing I normally am into, but I just feel like, can we hear it for Jazia not needing anyone to entertain her? Like, it just makes me happy and actually long to go back to a bar to read a book alone, <laughs> oh, um, oh, keep myself no. occupied. It just, I wonder what she was reading. Like, I, I, um, do you think... I used to travel on business quite a bit and I love, I just always loved going to the hotel bar with book and yeah, not, not dealing with anyone, uh... but just being there. Yeah, I I've taken it to like Friday a Friday night. I've just taken a book to a restaurant bar, so it's not as rowdy as like just a regular, you know, a bar bar. Yeah. I just had dinner at the bar and read my book, and it's just it's great. Anyway, so, I just was your really liked it. Was your suggestion that we all guess what she's reading? Oh yeah, I kind of think it'd be like she was smiling, so I feel like it was like a technical manual or something. <laughs> Oh, I just thought she was reading AO3. I was going to say oh, uh, Spurk fanfic. Uh, seems like <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're probably right. <laughs> do we have a... Um, Matt, do you have a, uh, a thirst? Oh, I think we've kind of covered most of them. And I mean, I just want to... Again, I know we, we touched about it, but shout out to uh, Sarcastic Kira at the, in the, the prologue of the episode. Um... When she's like, I'm so blessed to be in your presence, or, or whatever she says there. Was, yeah. We, we, yeah, we love a, I just a, felt a like I would have said we, the same thing as her, and she was awesome in that scene. 
I got really weird vibes uh, in that scene of um, uh, this is going to be a weird one, but like um, Chandler Bing and Rachel in Friends, who, where they're like characters who sort of are good friends, but they never have like a really clear relationship, <laughs> yeah. and and they're like, uh, and I'm just like, does that like continue to build throughout the whole series? It's like they might be the two of the characters who have least screen time together uh, across the whole the whole show. Yeah, that's a good point. That's, uh... That is interesting. I feel like there's definitely another episode where, like, Kira is piloting the shuttle and um, bringing Julian back from a medical conference or something, uh, and he awkwardly hits on her or something stupid again. Um, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I've just... It, that that to me is probably one of like the maybe like Kira Julian maybe Kira Kira Miles even like they just don't seem to have that uh, be as developed as some. And there is some like I guess I'll try and be as like unspoilery as as possible. But if you're if you're watching for the first time and like super spoilery ahead, skip ahead thirty or forty five seconds. But. There is more with Miles and Kira later on around um, yes, of course. some family planning and stuff like that. I have a but, lot of uh, opinions on that, which oh, I will see. And, you, and but... of course, we must say that the family planning is around the fact that it was Sid and Nana's baby, right? Yeah. <laughs> which yeah. I'm still so. like, I'm boggled by that. And the fact that they sort of, they touch on that for like, literally half a second in the end credits of the ds9 documentary and you're like surely that that relationship must have made the set interesting or maybe it wasn't maybe it was just everyone was cool but uh, that was fun our final segment of the episode is most star trek thing or more star trek moment Elise, what's your your candidate for most Star Trek moment this week? I just felt like the way, the fact that Lieutenant Primin was good at his job and brought expertise that Odo didn't have, and he also, as we mentioned earlier, was willing to learn from Odo. So basically, the TLDR is one of our main characters finding out he was wrong about someone. <laughs> just mm. felt Star Trek to me. Yeah, I liked the. Um... They sent Pulse along the tractor beam at the same frequency as the shields to disrupt um, the Vantica's control of Bashir. That, like, <laughs> insane amount of treble techno babble, I think, was my uh, my favourite bit. That felt very Star Trek also. Like, let's come up with some, like, ridiculous... It's like, doesn't matter, just, like, use some words <laughs> and then... <laughs> it was very... It felt like... There was a lot of word salad as they say in this episode. Particularly particularly towards the end, I agree. I think that it really got a little, little like, let's just throw words at the wall and hope that the characters make it work. Yeah, I think there's lots of candidates. I think the teching the tech and the of the Trekno Babel is is really good. I think there's the aversions to, you know, the Colabad or whatever are are a dying race and they need this this MacGuffin thing that we don't know what it is. Is it a mineral? Is it a mineral? Is it like what is it? We don't know. It doesn't matter. Um, we have the whole like, 
Oh, is is Vantica still alive in this computer thing? Oh no. Okay. Well, he's gone now. It's destroyed. Okay, that's a interesting ethical dilemma that we're not going to explore. Kind of like we talked about cloning and yes, <laughs> in a man alone a couple weeks ago. So it's just kind of like classic, classic '90s era Star Trek all around, and especially in that like, it's not a great episode. It's not a bad episode, and like. Iris Stephen Bear has a has a quote about this episode saying basically the same thing, where it's it's not great, it's not awful, it's just generic Star Trek. Basically, he's yeah. like, this easily could have happened on the Enterprise, and it easily could have been Jordy. Is what? Oh Bear's yeah, I read quote that quote. I read that quote too. And I so kind of like the whole episode true. is just very Star Trek. Yeah. I think it, that's it really could have been in any series. Yeah, I completely agree, and I I do I was. I was quite surprised actually because I I went to the page the wiki page on this and there was like the reception was like it is on the bottom ten DS nine episodes of so many lists and I was like I mean maybe but it's not bad it's actually I didn't not think that it was bad. that bad and yeah. I I've, I've been watching um, again I'm just going to see how many TV show references and other media references are getting I'm I'm, I'm rewatching Agents of Shield at the moment and I'm in like mid season three. And that's got like a lot of Marvel, a lot of Disney money behind it. And there is way worse techno babble and nonsensical nonsense going on in the middle of that show. So I, I, I still think like for, for a, if this is a if this is an example of the worst episode of a season of a show. Wow. God damn, that show is pretty good. Yeah, I really didn't. I don't get the like all out hate for this episode. Um, I thought it was fine. There are definitely episodes, um, particularly uh, <laughs> Prophet and Lace. Yeah. Nothing, and... Of, nothing offended me in this episode, I think. Yeah, yeah, there's nothing offensive. I, I definitely, uh, unless you consider, yeah, as you, as Matt very rightly says, like the random hand, hand waving about a dying race and yeah. about the, yeah, I'm just going to blow up this little bit of metal and it's actually someone's person inside. <laughs> Yeah, I, d- I don't know if it's like for me, and I guess we'll we'll go through through the series again, and you know think about it deliberately for the podcast and things like that. I don't even know if it's like a bottom ten episode for me of Deep Space Nine. I think it's just an episode of Deep Space Nine that exists. I think there are ones yeah. that are are more offensive. I think there are ones that are are a lot better. Um, but yeah, my my hot take is that I like next week's episode more than this one. We'll <laughs> get to that next week. Fun. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I just want to thank Lazi for joining us. This yes. No. Thank you great. so much. This has been this has been great. This has been fun. I hope you'll I hope you'll come back sometime. All you have to do, as you know, is um, send me a message, and I will respond <laughs> with the phrase <laughs> "Hailing us." so in that instance who is in your brain sharing your brain with you that you've become an us oh um that's an excellent question i don't know that i have an immediate answer does it have to be a ds9 person or can it just be anyone no i was just being silly you can say whatever you want I mean, like, who do I think is most likely out of all the DS9 characters to successfully achieve that? Garrick. <laughs> that is nice. fair. I can't wait to hail you and Garrick 
I'm very I sad didn't. that the it was a Julian episode I picked and I didn't pick one with Gareth in it because Well you can maybe next time. Maybe next time. Indeed. I'd love to go back. Awesome. So if you would like to tell the folks where they can find you on the internet. Uh, you can find me at Mean Englishman on Twitter, which is a stupid math joke that I made 10 years ago and I do not care for anymore. You can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Elise underscore Tendi, E-L-Y-S-E underscore T-E-N-D-I. And you can find the show at on Instagram and Twitter at PodRates, P-O-D-W-R-A-I-T-H-S. If you'd like to email us, we're at PodRates at gmail.com. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at at MattyHugh, M-A-T-T-Y-H-U-G-H. You can also catch me talking about Mad Men on my Mad Men podcast, Still Great Bob. We just finished season three. I should really watch Mad Men, shouldn't I? Yes, it's my favorite show. Sorry, (laughs) Deep Space Nine. Please remember to rate and review us on the podcatching system of your choice. Again, thank you for to DJ Empirical for our theme. And until next time, we'll uh, we'll see you folks out there. Computer and program. Bye. Bye. Bye.